Welcome to the smart community. Smart region, smart towns, and smart cities. It's where we live, work, and play with smart communities. The future starts today. Big data, smart mobility, emerging trends galore. The Smart Community Podcast is what you're looking for. I'm back with another bonus episode of the Smart Community Podcast that brings together multiple guest answers to the question, where to next for smart cities and communities? And this time I'm sharing with you the answers from Movember guests, plus a number of other guests from earlier episodes this year. So in this episode, you will hear from Scott Shepard, episode 139, Rachel Desan in episode 142. Samson Williams, who was back in episode 107, Kylie Nixon, episode 97, Pragya Mani in episode 109, and David Kadalovsky from episode 140. The theme of this month is Movember, and this has been about moving from old ways of doing things to new in healthcare, in local government, in transport and mobility, and in human behaviour. The themes in this mix of guest answers are similar. Whether it's in data governance and privacy or investments in infrastructure and new frameworks and policies for government and how they interact with citizens and private companies, these guests agree that we need to be considering the opportunities and the dangers of this hyper-connected society we now live in and then reimagining how we could do things in response. Ultimately, it's about making the places we work, live and play more accessible, livable and sustainable for all. And isn't that what we all want anyway? I hope you enjoy these guest reflections on this where to next for smart cities and communities and where we're heading in the future. And as always, we hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Where to next for smart cities and communities? Well, where to next is, I would say, some of the most interesting use cases from a personal perspective are here in Europe. Uh, I'm, as you can tell, I'm, I'm pretty uh, pro-European in that sense, that I think what's very interesting is what we call in the smart city, smart communities, and shared mobility domain, uh, the hub and spoke model. And the definition of that is perhaps the public transport authorities, the PTAs, or municipalities serve as the hub of the aggregation and dissemination of open information related to mobility and other urban citizen information. And they distribute that to different stakeholders, as well as they retain a bi-directional portal between privatized uh, service providers, mobility service providers. So this hub and spoke model and the construct of it the actual data governance and framework serves such that there is a coherent distribution as well as provision of mobility and other urban services. So basically, cities and public transport authorities are the central clearinghouse of information as well as service provision for these different offerings such that there is a common platform for all different market entrants to be able to competitively enter the market, one, for inhabitants to have democratized access to data, two, and three, for consumers to have informed and uh, competitive choice and advantage in making their own purchases and uh, behaviors within the community. So I would say that's a real uh, interesting model that 
could be applied to many different aspects of the smart cities umbrella globally. And we call it the hub and spoke model. Yeah, that's really interesting. It kind of highlights the multiplier effect of smart cities and communities. That's right. You could think of it as mobility is the, uh, the simplest use case, but you can stack on uh, public health, economic development, tourism, environmental, everything within this construct in terms of how information governments and uh, data is shared and disseminated. Where to next for smart cities and communities? Well, as I said, I'm really not qualified to have an opinion on smart cities. Very new to it. But I guess from a health perspective, it's how do we use the investment? I mean, the billions of investment in national infrastructure like the My Health Record or national health data initiatives in any country to gather data with the permission, of course, but match it with other sources like livability, even bus timetables to help us understand what's working and what's not. And how can we truly deliver innovations that improve people's lives? That's what it's got to be about. Mm, I love that. Like trying to make this not super complex as well. Like the issues that we're tackling are complex, but we're hopefully incorporating technology as an enabler only, not a driver, just to decrease the complexity for people so then they can live better lives. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the projects I'm working on, one of the team talked about this investment um, as being a vehicle for change for the whole system. And I thought, yes, that's a great way of looking at it. How can we think about this opportunity of, of connected society and, and the technology and the tools that are now more accessible and, well, almost affordable for all, to really rethink how we can do things better and improve people's lives. So where to next for smart cities or smart communities? We've got to tackle the health issue. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the biggest driver. Uh, here in America, we spend $380 billion on healthcare administration. That's paperwork. That's not actually touching anyone. That's just shuffling paper. So it's a part of our GDP in the emerging markets. America does a great job of exporting democracy through armed aggression and exporting and colonizing your diet through McDonald's, Burger King, churches, Wendy's, etc. So we've introduced a lot of processed and homogenized foods uh, that are high in sodium that lead to obesity that aren't part of your natural diet and particularly this next generations. And so we're going to have to tackle our obesity epidemic. Um, there's no way around it. Mm-hmm. Because your city's not very smart, you're paying astronomical health bills. Mm. And so do you think we do that, you know, making things more accessible, walkable, as well as using the technology to get us up and about rather than sitting on our butts all day? Yeah. So I know for myself personally, I have to make a point. Typically, I have on a Fitbit. It just tells me, hey, Samson, you haven't done any. I've been typing or just sitting in front of the computer. And mm. so we have to think, how are we going to take technology? Because life has gotten so convenient and so easy, you can literally wake up, brush your teeth, call an Uber, get in your car, get it in the car, go back on your phone, get dropped off at work, walk into work, sit down at your desk, spend the next 12 hours not moving other than go to the bathroom and then take an Uber back home or the train or the bus. And so in the meantime, you've just consumed your 2,500 to 3,000 calories worth of food for the day, but you've only exerted or used 15 to 1,800 calories through the course of your normal day. There's a cultural shift so that your normal day-to-day activities, they just don't burn enough calories. It's not complicated math. It's very basic. Mm. And so each day, 
you just have a net gain of 500 calories. And so that by the end of the year, you put on 15 pounds and you do that for 10 years in a row. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, how did I get so fat? So that's what we're going to have to tackle. I know it sounds repetitive and I'm going to beat it to death uh, because as a fat kid my whole life, I know it's an issue for myself and for everyone else, particularly at the policy level and the governmental level. Your city's not smart. It is making people obese. And part of that, one of our researchers focused on how do you influence food policy? And when we say food policy, you might go from having a 30-ounce, 2-liter Coke to a 1-liter or an 18-ounce Coke. And so what do you serve in your schools? America's having a huge problem because we have just redid our public lunch policies in schools. And so we're going to anticipate a whole new wave of children getting type 2 diabetes even younger right now. We have an epidemic of 10 to 11-year-olds who are getting type 2 diabetes because of the food they're consuming. And this all just goes back to your city's not smart if you are facilitating your population getting fatter and their health issues increase the cost of providing public service. Excellent. Well, not so excellent. But I also think with our busy lifestyle as well, just like increased level of stress doesn't help us at all. And so using technology to buy back our leisure time, I think, is something that we need to start talking about a bit more rather than just making us be able to work longer and harder and that kind of thing. Absolutely. Where to next for smart communities? Ooh, where to next for smart communities? For me personally, I think it's just making sure as from a work perspective, as certain projects come through, is always just making sure you have your mind to what what would this mean or how does this fit in the puzzle? I think that's quite important. Yeah, and just making sure with our existing clients or future uh, clients, ensuring it's a topic of conversation to understand what they're thinking about it. So that's certainly where, you know, for me, what would be uh, next for smart cities and uh, communities? And just keeping that conversation, keeping those connections, keeping yourself open and listening and learning. So where to next for smart cities, for smart communities? I would like to see some champions. I'd like to see some champion projects, whether it be in Sydney or some of our other major cities. I know there are already some fantastic regional examples and I do think, honestly, that uh, regional cities are almost doing better than we are. But I would also like to see champions in organisations, whether it's local council, state government, private sector. I think we're just falling short. I think we really need people to just push as hard as they can push and show people what great places, smart places, smart communities really look like. So where to next for smart cities and communities? I think that's a question for government. We can only do so much. I think government is on the right path in terms of, okay, this is now a thing. You know, no more people walking out of meetings when you're talking about these things. And, you know, there's now teams of people within government organisations that are focused on, you know, smart solutions and, and the efficiencies that can be gained from using smart solutions with and interacting with their customers to make their lives better and, and solve a lot of these city-based problems. Mm. And I think marketers have known that they can shift people's behaviour whichever way they want, you know, in the past. Yeah, Coles and Woolworths do it really well, obviously, and they also capture a lot of data on us. So I guess it's leveraging 
what our leading sort of organizations use is from a marketing sort of perspective or a purchasing intent perspective, but really focusing on other behaviors for good really is what it's all about, I think. Yeah, I guess from like a government perspective, then realizing that we can have a local community perspective, that we can have a real impact if we get down to the why people are making decisions and then being able to shift those to a positive, you know, for the betterment of the community, for the betterment of the environment, sustainability, et cetera, et cetera. Correct. And that, look, that's what all these programs within government are out to do. They're all based on a human doing X or not doing X, <laughs> but that's really what they're designed to do. And there needs to be some sort of technology interaction to really connect with those behaviours and measure those behaviours at scale. And those kinds of solutions haven't existed in the past. Thanks so much for listening to the Smart Community Podcast. Show notes for this episode and all other episodes are available on our website, mysmart.community slash podcast. If you have any questions for us or any of our guests, you can email hello at mysmart.community. You can also find us on the socials. We are on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter at smartcomhq. That's com with two M's. If you are enjoying the podcast, please hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we would love for you to leave us a rating and review at wherever you listen. This really helps us reach more ears and eyes. So thank you for your support. As always, we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Community Podcast is what you're looking for.